This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. We live in this world where we think we have to just keep going up. Everything's supposed to keep going up. But nothing in nature can go up and not go down. In the 70s, it was all about what you had. And I always just felt like a freak. And I can see where I would go and build this character who was in service to other people so that I could feel safe and feel like I belong somewhere. So I said, you know what? I'm going to redo my whole childhood. I am going to go back to do every single thing that I feel like I didn't get. Hey, senorita. Really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and say. First of all, Squats and Margaritas is like the best name for a podcast. Thank you. I was always calculating calories and macros. And when I just calmed the F down, I found my physical ideal. Am I addicted to moderate drinking? You're very subtly admitting powerlessness and unmanageability. And I'm proud of you. That's beautiful. Did you struggle with actual eating disorders? Anorexia and bulimia. Um, Wow, thank you for saying that. Katie Couric. Nothing screws up a kid more than having a parent on top of that kid all the time. Kenya Moore. Before I take a shower, I would always step on scale. And I saw my daughter starting to do that. Like, she doesn't know how to even read the numbers, but she saw me doing it. Actress Melissa Joan Hart. I remember the first time I was told I could be a movie star if I lost 10 pounds when I weighed 103. Pinky Cole. Were you high when you came up with the name? I was very high. (laughs) (laughs) This is Squats and Margaritas. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Grace Harry. She worked 30 years as a music industry exec. We're talking Jive, Def Jam. Her new book, The Joy Strategist, describes how to rediscover joy and live with it in our personal, professional, and creative lives. I have recently rediscovered my joy, and I want to bring that to everyone else. I hate to even say this because it shouldn't be mentioned in her bio. She stands on her own, but... She used to be married to Usher, and there's an Usher song that is like getting me through my divorce right now. Not sure if I'm going to say it or not. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to talk about joy. How do we cultivate it? How do we rediscover the joy that we once had in our lives? Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And please consider leaving me a review for Squats and Margaritas on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Grace Harry. I just have so much like joy from you already just watching everything you've done. I've been like all in your interviews and you're just like a light. And I'm so happy that you're here and you're here at a really good time in my life that we're going to get into. (laughs) I'm so happy. And first of all, I'm all in what's going on around you. That's that butterfly image is so beautiful. I'm going to talk to you about that. I I had a butterfly that was stalking me for literally two weeks. Every single day I walk out my front porch and there was this blue butterfly. And I was like, God, universe, I see it. I I don't get it. So I'm like, what do I do with it? We're going to get into this. I struggle with bulimia. And I know that you did as well and abused my body for like 20 years. And I said, I want to start a safe space for teen girls who are struggling with body image and self-worth. So I did it, but I'm, I'm talking to my business manager and she's like, what do we call it? And like, in that moment, I was like blue butterfly grace. It left. Like I never saw it again. So that's my butterfly for my foundation for teen girls. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I asked. That's the best story. You would think someone that reads your resume 
30 years working as a music industry exec. You were once executive chef on The Cosby Show. You were married to Usher. You're a published author. With that resume, you would not assume that this is someone who was raised by a teenage mother, whose dad was in jail your whole life and dropped out of school in 10th grade. Can we get into Little Grace? Because I've listened to you on a lot of shows and nobody goes there. Talk about just kind of how you came up. Yeah, you know, that was, it's so interesting. And, and leaning into this joy practice has made me start to lean into such the gifts of that experience. But gifts are, let me start here. We live in this world where we think we have to just keep going up. Everything's supposed to keep going up. But nothing in nature can go up and not go down. And so I am so grateful for that complicated childhood I had because it brought me to this awareness of how I feel or don't feel. But I, you know, I was mixed before it was trendy. I lived in Brooklyn before it was trendy. My mother was making vegan food before it was trendy. Um, and, you know, I was shopping vintage before it was trendy. And in the 70s, it was all about what you had. I remember even there was a birthday party once that I couldn't go to because you only could go to the birthday party if you had these special panties from Bloomingdale's called Bloomies. And so it was a very, it was a, a, a time of life that really promoted a lot of successing and being the super person. And I always just felt like a freak. You know, oh. I just didn't have the things. I didn't have the resources. And I could see where I would go and build this character who was in service to other people so that I could feel safe and feel like I belong somewhere and feel like, I had an opportunity to 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 grow and excel in this world. And even if, if someone did have a childhood that wasn't like ideal, you say you can go back to your childhood and kind of reframe it. And that's what you've done. I know you said like you went back and you like swaddled yourself and you read to yourself. Talk about that, how it doesn't matter what it was. You can reframe it now. A hundred percent. I mean, when you talk about those, yeah, you know, that was, it's so interesting. And, and leaning into this joy practice has made me start to lean into such the gifts of that experience. But gifts are, let me start here. We live in this world where we think we have to just keep going up. Everything's supposed to keep going up, but nothing in nature can go up and not go down. And so I am so grateful for that complicated childhood I had because it brought me to this awareness of how I feel or don't feel. But I, you know, I was mixed before it was trendy. I lived in Brooklyn before it was trendy. My mother was making vegan food before it was trendy. Um, and, you know, I was shopping vintage before it was trendy. And in the seventies, it was all about what you had. I remember even there was a birthday party once that I couldn't go to because you only could go to the birthday party if you had these special panties from Bloomingdale's called Bloomies. And so it was a very, it was a, a, a time of life that really promoted a lot of successing and being the super person. And I always just felt like a freak, you know, oh. I just didn't have the things I didn't have the resources and I could see where I would go and build this character who was in service to other people so that I could feel safe and feel like I belong somewhere and feel like I had an opportunity to, to, to grow and excel in this world. And even if, if someone did have a childhood that wasn't like ideal, you say you can go back to your childhood and kind of reframe it. And that's what you've done. I know you said like you went back and you like swaddled yourself and you read to yourself. Talk about that, how it doesn't matter what it was. You can reframe it now. A hundred percent. I mean, when you talk about those accolades, uh, it doesn't even land on me, which is a funny thing. And that was that's really the truth of me, you know, just being in the world, like beaming out love to people and not really pulling that experience in for myself. Um, and so, yeah, I had to I had to really dig into that and figure out, OK, I have this story that my past is riddled with pain. But what can I do to redo that story? What can I do to. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to redo my whole childhood. 
I am going to go back to do every single thing that I feel like I didn't get. And so I started just, and by the way, I did get swaddled, but swaddling myself, loving on myself, you know, uh, playing games, giving myself permission to feel joyous, which is really where it starts. That's the freaking permission. Yes. Um, and it was harder because I did feel guilty that this big, amazing gift of a life wasn't turning me on. And that I've had guilt around that and shame. Like, how dare I not feel grateful and happy for all these, all this magic? But we're never going to feel good. And we're always going to be living in an imposter in our own minds if our heart is not running the show. If when we experience a thing, even if it makes no sense to someone else, it does a to us. You mentioned shame and it's making me think I heard you briefly mention on a podcast that you struggled with bulimia. Same um, I actually struggled for almost 10 years. Can you talk about that time in your life? Like kind of what sparked that? And I just feel like we're the same, like you feel not enough and you try to make it perfect and around food. Like when did that happen? And what do you think sparked that for you? More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. It, it really happened very young. You know, I've been and write, writing the book is such an amazing thing because it really makes you look at these things and analyze them in a different way. And I just started feeling into where I started to feel such body shame, why I started to feel so weird about my body. And from 11 years old, I was a very a thick, a thickum. And just remember walking around the world and I was in once in Flatbush and this man screamed across the street. I must have been 11. Oh, you big body gal. And I think they thought it was a compliment, but yeah. I just remember freezing and just feeling so embarrassed. Or I had this boy that I had a huge crush on at camp when I was 12. And he kept saying, I would like you if you weren't weirdly shaped like a pear. And so I just kept coming into these concepts. And I don't think anyone meant to be. Yeah, no, mean. But you, it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. I, I started talking to a friend of mine who was a healer after I had my first child. And she said something so fascinating. She said, when you come into a, a, a family and a family dynamic, where there's not a lot of sweetness. It's interesting how that becomes the thing that we start to pull into, right? It's almost like feeding your pancreas or giving yourself this, this deliciousness that you're not getting from people and other places or even from myself. Um, and then it was it put me over the edge when I had a marriage and I had children and 
the marriage started to dissolve. And a lot of our mediation process was around the fact that I gained a lot of weight. Oh my God. And I now here with these babies and this big career and I have to take care of things. And I'm worried that my children are now going to have disconnected family members. And yet now I'm a, a person who's a single mom and I'm going to be back into the dating world. And I just started to just be brutal to myself, you know, just be hiding and purging and stuffing my face. I, I would have meetings and I would eat a meal, go to the bathroom, get rid of the meal, come back, eat dessert, get rid of the dessert. It was just this crazy spiral of self-hatred and 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 fear of of being expanded in this big body that I deemed didn't look like other people's bodies. Oh, I remember oh, when I was in fifth grade, this the George Ash jeans, like designer jeans, mm-hmm. I couldn't fit into them. They weren't designed for my body. So it just was this perpetual, I, I'm wrong. My body is wrong and that has to be the issue. And I leaned into that really hard. And it was my daughter my life coach daughter. Yeah. She's not a life coach, but actually, who really, I don't know if she ever really understood what was happening, but one day she said this thing to my, to me that made me feel like, oh the, oh, the jig is up. She's realizing that I'm trying to promote her to grow, to be this expansive, illuminated woman. And as much as I'm telling her something, kids only do as you do, not as you say. Yes. So I did not want that. And I just got on a health journey and started to really lean into myself. And, and I went and told everyone in my family, and I gave them the hacks. When I eat a meal and I'm not drinking water, when I go to the bathroom, help me, help yes. me. I'm, I'm telling you this very scary truth about myself and I wow. really need support around it. And it was frightening. I was in my late teens and I didn't tell anyone because it's shame. And then everybody would know. Um, so I never got treatment. I stopped doing it 15 years ago, but I still had the, like, the noise. And I wrote my first book and the eating disorder community came for me. And they're like, this woman is not healed. She uses fat phobic language. And Grace, like, I honestly, I call it a pivot. I was speaking in Denver recently and the lady said, it's not a pivot, it's a rise. But I was like, I was unhealed. I was speaking and so defensive. I was like, you don't know anything about it. I don't do anything like that to my body anymore. I am healed. But in my mind, like the mental part was not healed. So I wrote a new book. I did a second edition because I was like, I can claim that and own that now. And before, before I kind of came into who I was and I I'm 41 and I feel like in the last year or so, I was like, you know what? Like, I just feel confident in who I am and me thinking, I know you said you went through that divorce when you were struggling. I cannot imagine like not being healed where I am now and going through a divorce. Cause I am actually, I know you've been divorced three times. I'm in the middle of my first divorce. I have two kids. And if I were in that mess, I first, I don't even know how you did it um, and had kids like I figured it out before my daughter was here. But what you just said is exactly what I speak on to moms. It We build them up and we're very intentional. You're so beautiful. You're so strong. But if you're in the mirror, like, Ugh, or like I got to lose 10 pounds. She is watching you. And it is what you are modeling. It is not what you're saying. So you were so spot on with that. And like, I can't even imagine being in that mess and raising a daughter. I wouldn't have been equipped to do that. No, I had two kids at the time. And, you know, I would literally walk every day, 26 blocks from my house to the office. So I could just cry, be a hot oh. mess. So I could get in and be there. And then I would leave the office and walk home so I could cry, feel like crap, and then meet them at the door. They haven't seen me all day with some joy and some positivity. And yeah. I was just inside. But that was really the beginning of this process of what actually does feel good to me. What yes. do I actually want? I'm trying to morph into these relationships, morph into this role of parent with everyone else's concept of how it should be. And 
clearly I'm a unique person. So why am I not approaching all these things in a way that really turns me on? And like looking for joy from an external source, like we are the source. And if you're not in love with yourself, like you have to fall back in love with yourself first. It's just speaking, I'm asking for a friend, but actually speaking from someone who's in the middle of a divorce. How did you like, I've been with my husband for 18 years. What do I call him? We're not divorced, but we're not married. Well, I guess we're married. He's my husband. Co-parent that's not divorced from me yet. That spends way too much time with me and we can get there. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm trying to navigate it. How after like a second divorce, did you trust or even go into a third? Like, how do you even, I can't even imagine like dating or like, if it didn't work out, like if it doesn't work out with him, the love of my life for 18 years, like, can you like kind of coach me up on that? How do you, and how long did it take you to kind of like trust again in a new relationship? Yes. Well, I was very much like what you said, you were, you were, you got some flack around that you were speaking about something, but you weren't actually all the way healed. Yes, And that's <laughs> what I did with the second husband. And not that he wasn't great and stuff, but I hadn't really done the healing. I was just doing everything I could to not be my mother at the time. And my mother wasn't married. So somehow I now divorced. I'm just like my mother, which now I'm so grateful to have the traits of my mother. But at at that time, so I just thought, oh, I need to find another husband because I need to be married. And so that I'm this person and I have a family in my, so I, I wasn't fully healed. And I leaned so heavily into someone for a lot of the wrong reasons, you know, someone else to be to keep me balanced. And I felt I had deemed myself from the first breakup, like, oh, it was my fault. I'm too wild. I'm too independent. I'm too these things. And I found in my second relationship, because I didn't do enough work to really get inside myself, I was just making these, I was hamster wheeling, but so smart that I hamster wheeled in a very different looking wheel. And of course (laughs) that started to demise because nobody was in their truth in that moment. And so I really feel that you do know what you're doing by holding on to the fact that you're not ready and giving yourself permission to lean into whatever that looks like. You know, even this journey right now, I've been, I was celibate for a long time after my last relationship. I really wanted to just lean into that. How long were you? <laughs> Four years. Okay. Because I really needed to figure it out. You yes. know, I have yes. friends and I'm intimacy, but I, I didn't want to keep doing that. And and I still, I, I have kids that are now adults and I have children who are teenagers and it's so important for me, for all of us to start to mirror what true intimacy is about. And that starts with us. You know, the buzzword of self-love, but if you're not really accessing, making yourself your own lover and really speaking to yourself softly or kindly, or if I treated myself the way I did any lover I've ever had, we'd be doing much better. (laughs) I I knew how to pour into them and give them, but taking a little bit for them, for myself was the everyday secondly practice that got me to where I am today. And I, I think I am today at 53. This is maybe I would say for the last two years, I feel truly a person who's on the road to recovery, who's in a healthy place, who yeah. wants to be in a relationship with people who, who make my heart feel good versus any external on paper concept. So I, I feel like for you, yeah, stay in that. As long as you live in the, I'm ready, I'm looking at this honestly, I'm, I'm really feeling how this works. I don't know what to call this person. Make it up. What yes. would be a word? Like I have a friend who was going through a breakup and he could not, um, He every time the ex hit him, he would go into this drama spiral with fear and panic because they had shared a daughter. And then we had to decide a name for this person that made them realize what the real situation was. We chose, we and him and I chose egg donor because it was just <laughs> the right 
word without penalizing that person, but today taking off the big fear and the big emotions around it, realizing this person gave you an egg for you to have the experience that you love and treasure with your daughter and just giving that perspective. So if we could come up with a name for your ex, which says a person who I love deeply and made a family with that we no longer see eye to eye, but we're working to try to untangle that for the best of our both health, whatever, that could be a cartoon character you knew or a name that as soon as you hear it, it changes the story by giving you the permission to see it in that way. It's just very ironic and hilarious that I'm thinking of this song because you used to be married to him, but there's a song that just came out. We're not good, good, but we're good. Like that is what I want. We're not good, good in the relationship, but we are, it's almost too good. Like we are spending too much time together. And then I'll be like, oh, like maybe my husband, my, what is, what is, let's call him something. My, my ex, or my, my baby daddy. I don't know what my baby daddy is black and does not he's more the the thought of you pray about it you don't go to therapy and in my mind and i know that through therapy that i'm in the five stages of grief i'm grieving the marriage and i'm at bargaining because i was like get out all here's the papers like i am done so sure and then now i'm like well maybe if we go to therapy because we're around each other so much that i'm like i miss him and i'm i know the person that he is that i'm not seeing anymore and it's hard for me to be like, but this is not how it is in, in the marriage. Like when you're hanging out with them two times a week at cheer practice or at soccer, and then I start to be like, maybe we can do it. But then I have to be like, nope, just remember as a spouse, as a partner, this is not a match. And I'm in such, I don't feel like I'm fully moving on because he's always around. Like he calls me all the time and I'll be like, maybe if we could just work on it and like go to, but I'm in bargaining. I have not made it to acceptance. And so I don't know if I should just totally cut it off because like us having this close relationship because our kids are five and seven and which is what I wanted to show my kids that like, I was like, I'm going to rewrite divorce. Like we're good. We're fine. And we can be around each other. But I feel like it's almost too close because I'm the person he calls like when he needs to like work through something. And I selfishly, like, I still want to be like, I want him to call me, but like, I don't know what I'm doing, Grace. Like, <laughs> what is good? like, Here's the thing, by the way, everything you said, I can relate to in every way. And, and I feel like what now what you need, and, and if you were if you were telling this to me, you would be saying the similar things. You have to put these things in boxes. So you can show your children rewriting divorce and do all these things once you are healed. Back to that story you told before when you wrote that Ooh. book before you were healed. So you do have to put some real boundaries in. Yes, you can hang out when you're at the at cheer practice, but no, he cannot call you for his, to work at his problems right now. And that has to be a certain amount of time, you know, and putting this concept around what is going to really feel good for you. This twirly brain of maybe we can, maybe we couldn't use that. Every single time you're questioning that, that's when you have a list of four things that you have to do for yourself that you love. And every single time you say, should we try? Should we do this? Should I let him call me? You go to your list. Oh, before I do that, I've got to do this. And put the little boundaries or little bumper bumpers, you know, with, when you bowl and they have those things bumpers. in the lane. Yes. Those for yourself, because the, the heart part is your heart is still so open to him and you want to be in that intimate experience with him. And you know what? You're going to be forever. You made people. Yeah. But you do need to give yourself a little moment to think of it like if you're in the ocean and you want to see a friend on the shore, you still have to swim back. So you need your swim back with him. If he calls you and he wants to work out something. You know, you say, I love you so much and I'm so here for that. And I, I want you only to have success in your life. And I 
I, I want to be here for that. And I also really still get a little heart ding every time I can support you in that way. But for the betterment of our children and to mirror a really healthy co-parenting partnership, I need one month, six months, one year of not being in that dynamic to heal. Boundaries. And, and that is really, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not a boundaries hard, like it's don't talk to him again. That's not realistic. But it's finding the things that stir you and making the stir things the no for now and having a little treat for yourself when you make that call every single time to retrain yourself and your heart around that. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, I have found the magic. And who would I be to not share that magic with you, my loyal Squats and Margaritas listeners, if you are looking for a little extra something? Maybe you're going out with the girls tonight. Maybe you have a date with your husband. Maybe you have a big work event. Maybe you just want to look bomb while you're out on your daily walk. You need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift is a tightening clay that you just tap wherever you need it. Forehead, those little 11s between your eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes, my crow's feet. You tap it wherever you need it. You let it sit in four minutes and the results last for up to seven hours. Make Rejuvalift the first step in your beauty routine. Even before you put on makeup, I have tried it. I am obsessed. It is magic. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A-L-I-F-T beauty.com and use promo code margaritas. 20% off, free shipping. You're welcome. Now back to Squats and Margaritas. You said something on a podcast that I listened to that I was like, yes, like, you said that you were talking to someone that like, I think you coach or like a black man that was like black men are only allowed to be sad when they're playing the saxophone. That and was a comedian. That was Neil Brennan. I am dealing with someone who I know our childhood defines us and was very much raised. We don't show emotion. You don't be vulnerable. You're solid. You're strong. And if I could just crack in there, you see, I'm not, I have not accepted it obviously. And he showed any bit of vulnerability. He was raised. You don't show emotion. You're strong. I've never seen him be vulnerable in 18 years. Just have like a moment of like cry or just, I feel like that is the most attractive quality to me now, a man that can cry or like a church, like if they go up and worship and like, just put them. So I'm like, Oh my God, like what a, a vulnerable, authentic man. That is the hottest thing to me right now, because I don't have that. How do you like, how did you get that person to kind of just like, it's like what, how they were raised. Like, how can you get in there? After 46 years of someone being told a certain thing. Cannot. And the what what one of the most important tools for me and my my recovery was the 12-step program. And that is all about you cannot. You can't change anybody else. You can't change anyone else's patterns. And when I was divorced from my first husband, who I had children with, yeah. Um, well, of course, I was starting to see this thing where they would go to their dad's house, eat all kinds of crap, and come oh. back and be constantly and feel like this. And it was making me nuts. Yeah. And then I thought, well, I can penalize their father, which I would never want to do. I could highlight that there's a wrong happening there, which is penalizing their father. Or I can take the opportunity of boot camping future adults and have a conversation and realize and explain to them, in life, you're always going to have duality. And it's going to be so important for you to feel into what actually is your truth. And so I don't know if I had that language then, but I really, you know, raising my kids was such an important job for me. And so I said to my son one day, 
you know what? I'm not telling you not to eat that stuff at dad's. All I'm saying to you is I want you to start to be aware of how your body feels when you eat certain things and what's happened. And then two weeks later, he's at my house having massive constipation and all kinds of things. And I didn't have to say a word. He said to me, I'm going to start helping dad buy more vegetables. I'm going to start like, and my kids are very healthy eaters now and really are about, and in very different ways, in their own unique ways. They have their own concept of what that means. And, And it was me giving them the tools to realize that there was something valuable that they're getting from this side and something valuable they're getting from this side, yeah. but not holding on to either. It's not like I'm right. He's wrong. Cause that's a whole nother dynamic. I'm the good one. And he's the bad one that we don't want to teach. Our and it's that. control. Cause I know I'm like, what is, what did daddy put in your, in your lunchbox? And I'm like, get out of there. Like they're eating. And that's my therapist yeah. is like, stop trying to control it. I'm like, but he's not even trying. It's like, they need three Who snacks cares? throughout the day. Three bags of chips, Grace, like Doritos, Doritos, like, and it makes me like, I know I Guess want what? to be like, who cares? But I'm like, try, like, put not, like, it's not who cares. It's the doctors will always say pediatricians that if you leave your kids for a week, don't worry about it. Within one week, they'll get everything they need. They might not yeah. look like you think a rainbow a day at every meal. Yeah. But so with that philosophy in my house, I had my third husband came to my house for the first time when we were dating and, and looked in my cabinets and said, you don't have any snacks for your kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. This whole cabinet is snacks, but it was very healthy. It were different things. They loved it. They didn't feel there was a deficit in their house, but they also had the opportunity to go to grandma's house or this house and go crazy. But there was enough of a balance around it so they could start to go into, oh, if I choose this, if I choose this, you know, and that's all you have to do and can do. If you are going to put your focus on changing him, you're also then telling your children that he's wrong. So you have to let them assess what they feel about him by leaving that side of the road for them and him and their relationship. You know, when you all were making them, you enjoyed each other. So let them enjoy him in that way. And then once again, as soon as you start to go into that controlling mind around him, he should feed them this. He should, then you go to your list. Four things. Uh, I (laughs) dance class. Uh, I'm going to play a song. I like, I haven't done that art project. I want to redo and really just back to self, back to self, back to self. Yes. It starts with back to self. And with the four minutes that I have you, since I made this a therapy session, we're going to promote the shit out of this book and the tools that I found, like when you're going back to joy, it's like, go back to what brought you joy when you were a kid. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this now back to squats and margaritas. Yeah. Because people think we don't know how to access it. And I'm not an inner child thing. I'm glad people are focusing on it, but I don't even think that's real. I think we are the exact same person we came in with. And we just add adulting stuff on top of it and bigger bodies and more rules and more conditioning. But the animals in nature, when they have trauma, they shake. When we were little and we were walking down the street, you ever talk to a kid and you're having like a serious conversation and they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That's because they are still attached to what feels good for them. So finding the practices, not that I played and this is what my ta- I was taught to play, but what, when you were a kid, you played that when you played that, or when you had that experience, you felt like yourself again, go back and do that even for one minute a week, whatever, it's like a bite size. And so for me, I was a swing. I couldn't access anything. I was like, I don't know. I'm not a painter. I'm not an artist. I, so I, I remember being on a swing in Brooklyn once and feeling like weightless as I went over the tree, like life felt great. So I started doing that. And I started doing that whenever I found a swing then more intentionally, then as a practice and adding more things, a song that I love or a poem that I once wrote and 
we have these tools. Mm-hmm. We just are embarrassed that we need to go back to some tiny version of ourselves. But what I'm saying is that tiny version of yourself is still there creating havoc about what you didn't have and did have in the past. So go back there for joy. Yes. And like the social constructs now says you can't just go swing grace. You can't, you're an adult, but it's like what you talk about who said, like who, who said, why do we live by that? <laughs> yeah. Who said that this is called a computer? Who said this is True. called a mug? Like we yes. have to start and we have to do that ourselves, you know, yes. especially with intimacy. Intimacy is such a big problem right now. And to me, what's funny, I, I have a friend, Amir, who gets mad when I say, just go back to baby talk because he thinks that sounds weird. But it's true. Even in even playing in intimacy, even right now, you know, I really want to talk to you more. And I, I'm, I'm afraid if we get up now, I'm not going to talk to you again soon. And yeah. we got to get back to the level of playing with each other and letting our hearts lead. And so give yourself permission to just feel silly. Just whatever that is. To slide right into your DMs because this is not the end for us. Right, one more minute. Slide okay. Another DMs. tool that you taught me about manifesting love, like your next match, you make a list of exactly what you're looking for and how you want to feel. But the next part is what I was missing. You have to be that. You have to live that way. Can you talk about that real quick? <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to learn missed, this myself. I missed that. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. I had this list for my third husband. I was looking for another partner and yeah. it was in you know, a like, dedicated spiritual practice, everyday yoga. And, and I just had to laugh from reading it at the end because I'm like, I don't do any of that shit. <laughs> I do cute or it looks good online or put the gram or whatever. But, you know, it was, you were magnets and we have yes. to magnetize what we want to us. And so if I'm not magnetically putting out to you that these things are who I am, why would you connect to me magnetically? I'm actually going to get what I'm feeling inside in truth. I'm going to get whatever I actually feel about myself and the inner dialogue I have for myself. That's the partner that's going to show up. Yes. So if we're happy with that, good, good on you. But if you're not happy with that, then get so specific on your list. I would have things on there like they love their family, but, and has a healthy relationship with them. Oh, has, specific. Has <laughs> specific, you know, okay. has children. And has a healthy relationship with their ex and spouse and full family. Like mm. the thing that, you know, someone who believes in God, but is also polyamorous to all spiritual faiths and open to different concepts. So get super specific and then take your list, fact check it against yourself. Yeah. Is that the truth of me? Where can I grow here? Where can I really embody that? Where can I really be that thing? So that when your person shows up, it's a, yeah, because yeah. you're, you're lined. You manifested them. You, you put That's it right. out and you brought in what you were putting out. Otherwise, you're manifucking yourself, as, as the Handel group says. <laughs> yes. I've never heard that and it is so spot on. The Joy Strategist, Your Path to Interchange is the book. Just to close, Grace, who is this book for? Humans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you know, we all need it. And the, my most important thing I want everyone to understand, if we're looking for a world to have outer systemic change, then it has to start with our inner systemic change. It has to start with us believing that we can be this joyous person and we can inspire others to be. Otherwise, we're going to continue to toll around on what we're dealing with right now in the world. And if people want more from you, where they, where can they find you? My website is thejoystrategist.com or on Instagram at, at Grace Harry. You are fabulous. I can't wait to see what you do next. And I'm so glad that you're in my life. Thank you so much. So I'll talk to you soon. 
Yes, you better. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.